Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. Revelation. Say that word. Revelation. Jesus was speaking in Matthew chapter 16. And he was saying to his disciples, not out of insecurity, but anytime God asks a question, it's a great lesson that's coming forth. He said, who do men say that I am? And they say, well, some say this and some say that. And then Jesus asked the most important question. He said, but who do you say that I am? And most of you remember that, that what was said is that Peter spoke up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, well, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You did not get this out of your logic. You did not get this by any other means, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. Revelation changes us. When you were born again, you heard the gospel, and revelation came that you were lost and that you needed a Savior. It did not simply come through logic. It came through revelation. As I talk to you today about this is you, I'm under the conviction, and I've lived long enough and ministered long enough to realize most people really do not know who they are. You ask people, well, who are you? And they'll tell you what they do for a living, maybe where they live. They'll tell you their marital status. They'll tell you about their kids or grandkids. But that really is a part of who you are. But who are you really? Abbott and Costello did a thing years ago that I I find so funny when they talked about who's on first. You know, most of you know that. and, 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 And it's very, very funny, but it's not funny when you go through life and you do not know who you really are. See, within Proverbs, Proverbs says this, in paraphrasing it in Proverbs 23, 7, as a person thinks in their heart, so are they. I I find that a lot of people are trying to change their behavior. Can I tell you, you're never going to change your behavior permanently until you change the way you think. That's why Romans 12 talks about renewing your mind. And and renewing your mind is essential. It's what has changed my life. I can tell you that in Numbers 13.33, Pastor Juan alluded to this last week, that the spies were sent in, and there were only two of the 12 who, who had it right. But the others, here's the statement they made in Numbers 13.33. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. It's pretty amazing when you're so brilliant, you even know, you think you know. Say you think you know. You think you know how other people see you. I want to deal with that today. See, they saw themselves as grasshoppers. Consequently, they assumed that's how everyone else saw them. See, how you see yourself matters. It really does. And I know wherein I'm speaking because I I was someone who didn't like me. I even came into ministry and didn't really like who I was. I felt confident when I played sports 
But, but outside of that, I had what they call an inferiority complex. You, you might ask, does it really matter how I see me? Well, something we emphasize around here at Victory a lot is the great command. When Jesus was asked in Matthew chapter 22, verse 35, one of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap Jesus with a question and said, teacher, which is the most important commandment of the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. We say that's loving God how? Completely. Say that, completely. And, and, then, and then Jesus said this. This is the first and great commandment. Look at verse 39, though. And a second is equally important. Love your neighbor how? As you love yourself. There's an awful lot of people I'm speaking to today. The reality is you don't love yourself. You don't even like yourself. I often joke about there's some of you here today that if you didn't have to hang out with you, you wouldn't. Because you really don't get along with you. You say, how do you know that? Well, you always have to have the TV on or radio on or in Facebook or on this or on that. Why? You can't handle just being with you. That's an issue. It really is an issue because you get away from a lot of people, but you cannot get away from you. And if you're going to love your neighbor as you love yourself, see, how you see you sort of sets the lens for how you see life, how you see God, and how you see others. It's absolutely true. See, revelation matters. I mentioned it earlier that what, what revelation, what came from God to Peter, and there were three things that happened there when Peter received the revelation from heaven. Number one, his view of Jesus, how he saw Jesus changed by revelation when he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That isn't what others were saying. Some were saying he was Jeremiah. Some said he was Elijah. But, but he had revelation from heaven. Have you ever had a revelation from God? Can I tell you that sort of like what Elijah experience, it generally is not going to be in an earthquake or a windstorm that's splitting rocks wide open. It's generally going to be how? In a whisper. I remember one of the first revelations I got from God. Every time there was an altar call, I went to the altar where I started off in the Lord at the barn in Newton Falls, Ohio. And I was at the altar one time asking God for more, and God gave me a revelation. And the revelation he gave me is, son, I'm not going to give you more until you've done something with the last thing I gave you. See, some of you, every time God speaks to you, he tells you how wonderful you are, how glorious you are. Can I tell you, God is never unkind to David Thomas, but most of the time that God has spoken to me, given revelation to me, it is a word from a father. See, fathers speak in a different way. Fathers speak from a reservoir of wisdom. And fathers speak from a place that we often say teachers instruct, but what? Fathers impart. And every time the father has spoken to me, something was imparted into me. So when Peter got this revelation, he got a fresh view of who Jesus really was. But listen, it also changed his identity. Because then Jesus said to Peter, he said, Simon, son of Barjona, he, he, he said, 
from now on, you're going to be called Peter. You're going to be called the rock. See, when you get a revelation from God, it changes the way you see you. Jacob wrestled with God all night long. And, and, and in that wrestling match, he came into a new identity of not, no longer just being a cheater and a deceiver, which his name meant Jacob, but being given the name Israel, Prince with God. When God gives you a revelation, listen to me, of who you are in Christ, it'll change you. When you understand who Christ is in you and who you are in Christ, that you're not just a sinner saved by grace, dusted off a little bit and just a little bit of a renewed sinner. No, I'm a child of the living God. I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. My name is written in the Lamb's book of the life. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. But his reckless love rescued me. Come on, lead out a shout in the house. He also had an authority through revelation. Jesus said, I, you're, you're not only Peter, I'm giving you keys of authority. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in him. Listen, God does not want you and I as his born-again children. To be living with a sense of inferiority. To be living like a second-class citizen. It's not about how good you are, about how perfect you are. It's about the fact that you've been adopted by our Heavenly Father. You've been, what has been taken away from you is a spirit of bondage that made you a slave, and you've received a spirit of adoption whereby you cry, Abba, Abba, Daddy, Daddy. It changes you. And, and it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I had a revelation when I was with a mentor of mine, Dr. Richard Dobbins, who's been with the Lord now for several years. Dr. Richard Dobbins, I sat under his ministry, would drive down to Akron, the very ministry that I privileged to serve on the board now uh, of Emerge. And I remember that I'm, I'm a young pastor. I'm here at Victory. I'm a pastor, but I don't like me. And I feel all of these, I feel all of this pressure. It was not from God, but I thought it was. And I felt this pressure to be perfect, and I wasn't. Did you ever feel that? Uh, two of you, thank you. Uh, I, I just felt like I didn't measure up. Oh, I had days that I felt good about me, that I read enough Bible, I prayed enough, I fasted enough, I witnessed to people. Oh, I felt like God really loves me. But then tomorrow would come, and I'd, I'd make a mistake. I'd, I'd think something I shouldn't think. I'd do something I shouldn't do. I'd say something I shouldn't say. Or maybe I wouldn't read enough scripture. I wouldn't see. There was something within me that I felt like the standard that God had said, I'm never going to measure up to. And then I felt this pressure from people. I felt like people were expecting all kinds of stuff of me I can't do. And, and Dr. Dobbins, he wrote something on the board that really helped me. And I want to write that for you today. 
He did three circles like that. I, re I remember like it was yesterday. You could ask my wife. I have like this photographic memory, and I, I just sort of clip things in, and I see them. Ran into some people yesterday over at, at Olive Garden and haven't seen both of them in, in a while. And they've been, I, I did their marriage, and they've been married over 25 years. And I said, you came, it was Gino, I said, you came on Friends and Family Sunday. He said, you remember that? Yeah. Don't ask me what I ate at Olive Garden yesterday, but yeah. <laughs> Come on, I'm no different than you. But, but I remember that Doc Dobbins, he put up three circles like that, and he put an I, he put an O, and he put an R. And, and I remember that the discussion is this, that, see, this represents the ideal you. This is who you want to be. We're talking about this is you. Now you say, well, I don't have any ideal. Well, you're in trouble. You mean you're, you're like satisfied? No, we, as, as born-again Christians, as people that love Jesus, we want to be Christ-like. That's our goal. And that's our ideal. We need to have an ideal. Amen? Amen. And, and the O, that represents the other you. The other you is sort of along the lines of what you think others think of you. We all have thoughts as to what others think of us. I often say that those who struggle with inferiority, you give a lot of thought to what others think of you. And I often say you'd be amazed if you really knew how seldom they think of you. It's the truth. But, but see, a lot of us feel the pressure that to sort of measure up, to be good enough, to try to meet the expectations of others. I, I was the guy, this is no joke, I was the guy that even in this big room, if I walked in the back and somebody over here was laughing, I knew they were laughing at me. And it hurt. It wasn't funny. It hurt. I never really felt good. I never really felt like I had value and worth and dignity. You say, but you were in the ministry back then. Yeah, I was in the ministry. And I felt good when I was preaching. I, as I mentioned, when I was younger, I felt good on the sports field. But outside of that, I always felt like I'm going to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, dress the wrong way. I, should we care about what others think of us? Yeah. Yeah, if you come up and like you haven't brushed your teeth in three weeks or bathed in four, and you say, I don't care what people think of me. You should. You're nasty. Brush your teeth. Take a shower, please. We beg of you. But see, when it controls you, when what others think of you. When, when you're around people who are nice and people who like you, you feel pretty good about you. But then you get around the other people. People that criticize you or people that make fun of you. And then you go from feeling pretty good about you to feeling horrible about you. In other words, you've given the remote control of your life to others. And said, you have the ability to control how I feel about me. Sometimes it can be in your family. It can be a spouse. And, and, and by the way, this R here, 
This one right here, this is the real you. It's the one you don't know. You say, oh, come on, you're giving us a psychological lesson? No, 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 no. No, if, if, if you're going to love other people the way you love you and you have an issue with you, there's not an ability then to love people. See, you cannot give what you do not have. If you have no sense of value, worth, and dignity inside of you, you cannot give it away because you cannot give what you do not have. This real you is the one you don't know. Some of you know that I'm certified with John Maxwell, and a part of my certification is I'm a life coach. And, and as a life coach, the very first thing you do as a life coach, listen to me, the very first thing you do as a life coach is whoever you're coaching, you help them to face reality. Why? Most people don't live in reality. They live in fantasy. See, it's like back in the days of maps. I thank God for GPS. I believe it saved a few marriages. Um, I'm old enough. I remember us driving down the road. My wife's got the map, and she's slapping me with it. And, you know, that's one of those big things. It's like, you know, you're trying to figure out where in the world are we. Can I tell you, everybody I know who has much of a life is trying to get to be. They're trying to get from where they are to the next level. But can I tell you, if you do not know where A is, you don't know how to get to B. See, if you have a map and you can look on that map and say, well, we're, we're trying to get to Boston. But you don't know where you are. So you don't know whether to go north or south or east or west because you don't know where you are. See, when you have this issue, this issue of the ideal other you and real you, the problem is, Where's that eraser? Can you throw that up to me for a second? I just, I didn't expect to, to write that, and I wrote the A and the B, and now I need to get rid of it. Here, here's, here's where the light bulb went on. Did you ever have a light bulb go on? In God, that's called revelation. I mean, it's just like, wow. It, it, a light bulb went on when Doc Dobbins explained that, that for most of us, the ideal that we set is so unrealistic that, yes, I want to be like Jesus, but I'm probably not going to be there today. I want to be a little bit closer, but see, when our ideal is so high, we're, we're really frustrated with life. When, what, when uh, what others, what we think others think of us matters too much, they control us. And we don't know the real you. Here, here's what Doc wrote. He did this. He said, you know what, we need an ideal, but it needs to come down to reality. You know, God loves you as you are. Do you realize that? You say, oh, you don't know me. No, I, you, you can't fool God. It's not like you can say the right religious words or quote enough right scripture or dress right or sing right or that somehow you fake him out. No, all of our righteousness, all of our self-righteousness is like filthy rags. God knows everything about you, but he is absolutely crazy about you. 
You say, what? Yeah. He loves you. Not sort of, not kind of. Really loves you. That's what gives us that sense of value. So do we have an ideal we should? But should it be so unrealistic that I'll never feel good about me, I'll never feel like God really loves me until I hit that? No. We should bring it down to a place of that I can't earn God's love. He already gave it. What, what others think of us should matter, but we should realize if, if maybe eight out of ten people like you, you're doing great. You're doing incredible. You say, why do you say that? Well, there's some people, they don't like anybody. Why would they like you? Some people don't like Americans, and you have to be one. Some people don't like Christians, you have to be one. You might be female. Some people don't like females, you happen to be one. It might be your race, your nationality. And so when you are trying to jockey through life to earn people's love, quit it. If you have some people around you that can help you become a better person, that's awesome. Hmm. See, when you bring the ideal to a place where you're no longer trying to earn God's love, you accept his love. You're looking at a man that God really loves. You say, oh, that's egotistic. Oh, no, 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 listen. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. His reckless love left the 99 and said, there's a David Thomas out there I gotta find. Put your name in there. For God so loved, put your name there. That he what? He gave his only begotten son. That, oh, forget the whosoever. Put your name there, Nick. That, that you, you could be his child. You could have everlasting life when you, when you no longer allow others to control you. Oh, I want people to like me. I, I think I'm very likable. But I have people that don't like me. And they've never even met me. They just don't, they don't like me because, oh, you're with, you're with Victory, that big church. I don't like you. Well, that's okay. I love you. Amen. Amen. See, they don't have the remote control of my life. Amen. Oh, would I rather they like me than not like me? Sure enough, I would. I have people every once in a while, they'll come to me and say, you know what so-and-so is saying about you? Hmm. doesn't matter. Oh, but you should know that, you know, that so-and-so is saying such and such. It doesn't matter. Well, why doesn't it matter? Well, because what, what, I have no control over it. If they're a close friend and we can reconcile and get things worked out, I'm up for that. But the Bible says, as much as lies within you, live at peace with all men. I'm not responsible for what they're saying unless I'm a knucklehead and I need to repent and get it right. But outside of that, I'm not going to allow their nastiness to take away my joy. Can someone say amen? amen? When you bring the ideal down to where it should be and you do not allow others to control you, guess what? You find the real you. You really do. This morning, I'm only going to take a couple more moments. But I... Come up and erase this, if you would, please. Let me just share a couple of other scriptures with you. 
I'm going to go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. I already quoted John 3, 16. Verse 17 says, For God sent not his Son into the world to what? Condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Do you realize that we love him because he first loved us? It's not like we woke up one day and said, I, you know, what, I think I'm going to get saved. Bless God. Yeah, I've been thinking about it, and I think I'm going to get saved. No. The scripture says in, in John 6, 44, that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Do you know this all is initiated by God, not by us? Takes a lot of pressure off, doesn't it? It does for me. See, God doesn't simply love you. He is love. See, even when we make God angry because we've messed up, he's not really angry at you. He's angry that the situation, by the decisions you've made, you've created a situation that could mess you up. He's not angry at you. Paul wrote in Romans, I think it's chapter 8, that if God be for us, who can be against us? In 1 John 4.19, John wrote and said, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Wow. This all started with him, not with me. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8 says, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man one would die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, a couple years ago, I came under conviction. I used to say all the time that I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I've not said it in a couple of years. I'll never say it again. You say, what? You mean you never mess up? No, I didn't say that. What I'm saying is 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, they're a new creature, new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. It, it was, listen to me, it was once my nature to sin. It was my nature is what I did. I was not born again. I didn't know Christ. I had not been adopted into God's family. It was my nature to sin. Can I tell you, from the moment I was born again, from the moment you were born again, it's no longer your nature to sin. That's why when you sin, there's such conviction. And often before you even, even sin, there's a conviction that comes. That's why there is 1 John 1, 9 that says when we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to close with this. It's all about the cross. Everything. What we need to understand that changes our identity is found in Jesus Christ. What changed me is I, I memorized scripture. We, we have out there at the bookstore 52 Verses that when I memorized them, I had them on nasty three by five cards that were not nice. They were not on a key ring. They were not attractive. But listen, you're responsible to renew your mind. You say, I don't like the way I think about me. Well, then do something about it. 
You say you can change the way you think? Oh, yes, you can. That's what Romans chapter 12 means. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice unto God, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to what this world but be transformed. How? Say it with me. By the renewing of your mind. You're responsible to renew your mind. I'm not. Oh, I'll do my best. Pastors Juan and Deidre will do their best. My wife will do her best. We'll all do our best. But, but at the end of the day, you've got to change the way you think. You've got to bring into alignment, listen to me, the way you think with what God says. Not how you feel. Feelings are fickle. They are. You'll feel different based upon the weather. Based upon your ball team, winning or losing. Based upon how you feel physically. Based upon where your finances are, your marriages, your family, uh, your friends, etc. <sighs> but in the cross, what do we learn in the cross? Well, first of all, we learn that our identity is found right here in the cross. We learn that it all was initiated by God. For God so loved, say it with me, for God so loved the world that he gave. We love him, why? Because he first loved us. God's real. He's not a religion. He's not an angry, distant God. Jesus came that we might have a father in God. We, we read the great commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. But, but it really, you can only do that, listen to me as I close, you can only do that if you get the revelation of how incredibly much he loves you. Changes you. Why? When you feel value, worth, and dignity, not based upon you earning it, but based upon receiving it. Wow. See, see, then what others say about you, sort of like water off a duck's back. Not saying there might not be a bit of a tinge or a bit of a hurt, but it, it no longer has an ability to stay with you because you've been changed. So it, it all begins with him. We, we give our love back to him. It's a beautiful thing. Jesus said, when you've been forgiven of much, you're what? Much thankful. When you get the revelation of his love for you, you want to love him back. And then we're called to love others. Can I tell you? It's really hard to love others when you don't love yourself. This is you. Put your name. This is you. Sometimes we look at preachers and we say, well, that's different for you. No, it's not. No, I'm you, you're me. We're eh. Seriously. This is you. And this is you in love. This is you in love with a God in heaven who created you and paid the price to get you back. You can't earn it can't deserve it. You just say yes. 
It seems too good to be true. And your, your brain is there arguing like, well, you don't know me. I don't need to know you. God knows you. The only way we can truly love others is when we're rooted and grounded in his love at the foot of a blood-stained cross. Can you stand today? And here's what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask that the prayer team come forward right now. Can you come first? Come on up. We're going to do this song as we close today that we did just before I stepped up. By the way, a couple weeks ago, my wife mentioned about books, and I had the privilege last week, Dr. Abel gave me a book that Dr. Priscilla, his wife, wrote. What a great book. Thank you. I read it this week. And and then we talked about dreams today. We had the privilege yesterday of being with Will and Minerva Leitner. And this is the ribbon cutting that we had over at Struthers at Leitner's Smoked Meat. Is it smoked meat or just meat? It's anything you want. I'm mentioning this because we've had a few prophetic words recently about books and about dreams. See, when you get the revelation of how much God loves you, you realize that the dream he gave you, the book he gave you, you don't earn it, you don't deserve it. Here's what I'm going to ask of you. We're going to do this song right now, and for every one of you who is honest enough to say, you know what? I need to walk in a deeper revelation of what you're talking about. I need to walk in a deeper revelation of it. I I sort of get it, but I need it deeper. I need to get it down in there. I'm going to ask you to slip out of your seat right now and come on down front as well. So that as we're doing this song, would you begin to come right now? As we're doing this song, I want you to open your heart up to Revelation. Listen, you're all lying to me right now. I can come back to you and know you're messed up in this area and not one person has moved as if you do not need this. Now look at me. This is dad speaking now. You, if you say you know what you do not know, you will never know. Can I tell you, if I was in the room today, as much I taught this, I'd be stepping out of my seat saying, I need it deeper. I need it deeper inside of me. I need the revelation of who I am in Christ. Because it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So I'm not asking you to come right now to just get prayer from these folks. I'm asking you to step into your destiny in a fuller way. I'm asking you, That if you desire to have a greater revelation of who it is when the Bible says that it is Christ in you, the hope of glory, I'm asking you to come right now. Let's do that song.
Come on, open up your heart. Open up your heart. Open up your mind. We're going to go back to this song, but we want to pronounce a blessing over you today as people are coming to get prayer. I want you all to look at me, though, just before we speak the blessing. This is you. And a question you legitimately need to ask, how well do you know you? It's a crazy question, but it's a legitimate question. Because if you're going to love your neighbor as you love yourself, how do you love someone you don't even know? So if you ask me, do you love so-and-so, and it's somebody I've never met, I said, well, I, I don't not love them, but I don't really love them because I don't know them. When you don't know you, there's an insecurity in that that messes your life up. And you then are stuck because you're trying your best to love other people but you've got an issue because the filter of love is all clogged up inside of you I want you to keep your eyes open your heart open as we as we pronounce a blessing over you today and we encourage you to come and to get prayer I want to remind you that we're to go over to the life center as we dismiss today, Life Center is out these doors down to the left. And go down and honor Pastor Jim and Cindy. And even if you didn't bring a card today, bring it next week or send it. But stop down there and get a hug on them and let them know how much you appreciate them. Open up your heart, would you please? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the name which is above every name. May God today give you a deeper revelation than you've ever had of Christ in you, the hope of glory. God is not in the business of beating you up. He is in the business of lifting you up. He is in the business of restoring you. He is in the business of adopting you into his family. He is not against you, my friend. He is for you. May you leave this building today with your head high, your shoulders back. May you have a sense of value, worth, and dignity because God loved you so much he gave his son. You are valuable to him. And may you go and give his love away. We bless you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, can we give him praise? You're coming for prayer. Come on down. God bless you.